Well, good morning. My name's Mick Terrington, and it's great to be with you this morning as we continue our series, Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. And this morning we'll be looking at the life of Joseph. And I trust that as we share together that all of us will be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. It was great to chat with Patrick and what a wonderful book Windows is. I must admit, I miss giving my grandchildren a big hug. So to all of the children and grandchildren, I'm just going to give you a virtual hug. God bless you all. In talking about grandchildren, we as a family had some wonderful news last week on the arrival of our seventh grandchild, Chelsea Isabel. I'm sure that um, some of the Rosebud community will remember Josh and Anna and Wes and Heidi when they were worshipping with us. At home, Dory has a plaque hanging in the living room which reads, If I'd known grandchildren were this much fun, I would have had them first. If I had known that grandchildren were this much fun, I would have had them first. And whilst the psalmist declares that children are a blessing from the Lord, I think that grandchildren are in fact a double blessing. Let's pray together. Lord, will you open our eyes to behold the wonderful truths of your word? Lord, will you give us ears to hear and hearts to respond in obedience in Jesus' name this morning? Amen. Amen. Dr. Helen Rosevere was an English missionary doctor who worked in the Belgium Congo in the 1950s and 60s, where she established hospitals and training facilities for nurses. And even after independence in 1960, when the Belgium Congo became known as Zaire, Helen Rosevere continued her medical ministry. In her book, Give Me This Mountain, she describes how she battled stubbornness and pride and an inability to work with others. And shortly after arriving in the Congo, a missionary colleague asked her, Helen, why do you believe that God has brought you to the Congo? Well, she said, it's to use my skill as a doctor. It's to evangelize and it's to build God's kingdom. Yes, said her colleague. All good things, but Helen, remember that God has brought you to the Congo not just to serve him, but to transform you into the person that he wants you to be. God is interested in your character. And while serving the Lord in the Congo, Helen Rosevere was held hostage by rebel terrorists. She was brutally beaten and raped on two occasions. The only material possessions that she owned in the Congo were her medical books. And one night in a violent storm, these books were all destroyed. After years of serving the Lord in the Congo, she was accused of embezzlement and sent home to the UK in disgrace, later to be exonerated and returned to the Congo. She spent her latter years travelling internationally, speaking at conferences around the world. And when she spoke at the Belgrave Heights Convention a number of years ago, she had such a profound ministry. 
a ministry that came out of suffering. A ministry that came out of suffering. My friends, sometimes as Christians, we perceive that we are immune from suffering. We perceive that because we've endeavoured to serve the Lord faithfully, that somehow we're wrapped in cotton wool and protected. And yet as we read the scriptures, we see that suffering and struggle are very much a part of our spiritual journey. Not that God causes the suffering, but by the very fact that we live in a sinful world and the devil is very active. The Apostle Peter says, Be alert, your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. And I'm sure there were times when Helen Rosevere wanted to give up and just walk away. It's all too hard. I'm sure there were times when she felt that she was at breaking point. So where does one find the resilience to keep going in the face of adversity? Resilience is the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back and grow despite life's downturns. I've chosen this definition because it specifically mentions the need to grow through adversity. It's not just the ability to withstand and bounce back, you know, like some elastic band. It's the ability to stand and bounce back and to grow. Let's face it, my friends. When we go through adversity, we come out the other side a different person, whether for the better or for the worse. But one thing is sure, adversity will change us. The Apostle Paul tells us to rejoice in our suffering and trouble. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because God has poured out his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. My friends, the reality is that we are transformed by trouble. We are transformed by trouble. The challenges that we face, the adversities that we experience builds perseverance and that perseverance transforms our character. This pandemic is very challenging with the loss of life, the number of people in ICU, the mental health and financial challenges. And yet God is walking with us through this pandemic and he's building into our lives perseverance. And that perseverance is producing character and character will give us hope. I love what Eugene Peterson states in 2 Corinthians 4. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the good times that are coming, the lavish celebration prepared for us. 
There's far more than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Joseph knew what it was to be transformed by trouble. When Joseph looked back over his life, he came to a place of being able to say to his brothers, you planned it for evil, but God planned it for good. And my friends, God's plans for his children are always good. He only wants the very best for us. Dory's going to come and read the scriptures from Genesis 39. This morning we're reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 39, and verses 1 to 10. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites from whom he had taken there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. May the Lord give us understanding of his precious word. Well, thank you, Dory, for bringing that reading. Um, what would I do without her? <laughs> Let me give you some um, background to Joseph's life. Jacob, Joseph's father, was a deceiver and a schemer. But one night, Jacob finds himself wrestling with God himself. And from that night on, Jacob becomes a changed man. And God blesses Jacob, saying, Henceforth, you'll no longer be known as Jacob, but Israel. And Jacob had 12 sons, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Reuben being the eldest son of Leah, Jacob's first wife. And Joseph was the eldest son of Rachel, Jacob's second wife. And the word of God tells us that Joseph was just 17 years of age and the favourite son of Jacob. Now Israel, that is Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And Jacob made Joseph 
an ornate robe. The Amplified Bible states that it was a distinctive tunic with long sleeves. And when the brothers saw Joseph, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So what was it that made Joseph's brothers hate him so much? Joseph was the favourite son, but there's something more significant about the coat, that distinctive long tunic with long sleeves. In early Semitic cultures, the birthright was a special position conveyed on the, by the father on the firstborn son. The father would convey the birthright on the chosen son by presenting them with a distinctive tunic with long sleeves. And with the bestowal of the birthright came certain privileges. The possessor of the birthright carried the authority of the father over the family after the father's death. And they would also receive twice the inheritance of all of the other siblings. Reuben was Jacob's eldest son, and he was entitled to the birthright. However, Reuben sinned against God and his father Israel by sleeping with his father's contrabine, Bilhah. And in 1 Chronicles 5, we read this. Reuben was the firstborn of Israel, but when he defied his father's marriage bed, the rights of firstborn was given to the sons of Joseph. Judah was the strongest of his brothers, and a ruler came from him, but the rights of firstborn belonged to Joseph. Consequently, every time the brothers saw Joseph in that tunic, they were reminded of the fact that not only was Joseph Jacob's favourite son, but the fact that he had the birthright as a firstborn son. Joseph had two dreams, signifying that Joseph's parents and brothers would one day bow down to him. And the word of God tells us that the brothers hated him even more. And because of this hatred, Joseph's brothers threw him into a pit and then sold him into slavery. And Joseph is taken to Egypt as a slave where Potiphar bought him from the Ishmaelites. It's interesting to note that the Ishmaelites are descendants of Ishmael, Abraham's son, and now here, the Ishmaelites are selling Joseph into slavery. The story of Joseph's life can be summarised as going from the pit to the prison to the prison to the palace. From the pit to the prison to the palace. And God had a twofold plan for Joseph. One was to get Joseph into a position of authority in Egypt. And being in charge of Potiphar's household became the training ground for Joseph, eventually becoming Prime Minister of Egypt. And the secondly was to transform Joseph's character into the person whom God could use for his glory. And each step of his journey, Joseph is confronted by a particular challenge, a choice that he had to make challenges and choices that are relevant to us today.
Firstly, there was the challenge of integrity. For Joseph, this was a challenging situation. He was in a foreign land, a different culture and language. He was a slave. And yet the word of God tells us that God was with Joseph and he prospered. Even Potiphar noticed that the Lord gave Joseph success in everything he did. Not only did Potiphar notice Joseph, but Potiphar's wife also noticed Joseph and tried to seduce him. It's interesting to note Joseph's response to Potiphar's wife's advances. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Not Potiphar, but God. Joseph recognised that the sin was first and foremost against God. And Joseph wanted to be a person of integrity. I remember on one occasion when I first came to the Lord, just going into a milk bar and purchasing a bottle of milk. I gave the milk bar owner $10 and he gave me change for 20 I put it in my pocket and walked outside. This is great. I've made $10. And as I'm walking down the street, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I think it was the first time I have heard the Spirit of God speaking to me. And he said, Mick, if you are going to follow me, I want you to be honest and a person of integrity. I turned around and went back into the milk bar and returned the $10. You know, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist, says that character is who you are in the dark. When no one is watching you, who are you? How do you act? How do you speak? How do you think? If we, as God's people, want to be resilient, then first and foremost, we need to have a solid foundation of integrity before God. There will be situations and circumstances where God will time and time again ask us, will you be a person of integrity? Firstly, the challenge of integrity, and next, the challenge of trust. Potiphar's wife makes a false accusation against Joseph and Joseph finds himself in prison. For Joseph, this is like going from the frying pan into the fire. You know, Joseph could have quite easily said, Lord, what are you doing? Is this the thanks I get for being obedient to you? I think that's what I would have said. For Joseph, this was the prison of uncertainty. He didn't know whether he was going to live or die. But again, the word of God reminds us that God was with Joseph in prison and he was promoted to a place of responsibility. You know, sometimes, my friends, in the midst of challenging situations of uncertainty, we have the perspective that God has abandoned us, that he has forgotten us, and in those times, my friends, we need to take hold of the word of God and stand upon his promises. I will never leave you 
or forsake you. I will never, never leave you or forsake you. And in those times of uncertainty, we grow in our understanding of what it means to trust God. It's been said that uncertainty is the seedbed of trust. Uncertainty is the seedbed of trust. Not only is Joseph in a place of uncertainty, but it's also a place of disappointment. Pharaoh's chief baker had been executed. The cupbearer had been released from prison. And still, Joseph is in prison. Pharaoh's cupbearer is now reinstated. And he's forgotten all about Joseph. But my friends, God hadn't forgotten about Joseph. It's interesting how God's timing doesn't always match our timing. We think that we can put God in a box and project our timetable on him. Living in the place of uncertainty and disappointment develops trust. Living in the place of uncertainty and disappointment develops trust. It would be another two more years, two more years before Joseph is eventually out of prison. But for Joseph, it's a place of growing in trust. And whilst, my friends, we don't enjoy these times of uncertainty and disappointment, they do become the crucible for our trust and faith to grow. The challenge of integrity, the challenge of trust, and lastly, the challenge of change. Joseph had plenty of things to complain about, and yet Joseph was able to adapt to his changing circumstances. He wasn't going to allow the circumstances to define who he was. In Potiphar's household, in prison, he worked hard and grew and was promoted. He knew that even in these difficult and challenging times that God was with him and that God hadn't changed. Joseph also had the capacity of looking outside of his own circumstances and looking to the well-being of others. When Joseph was in prison, attending the needs of Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker, he saw that they were dejected and inquired after their well-being. He saw that they were dejected and inquired after their well-being. And my friends, whilst we need to look after our own well-being, let's not forget that God has called us to be a caring community. And when we care for one another, we are in fact reflecting God's love. That phone call, that act of kindness and generosity is an expression of God's character. Joseph had the gift of interpreting dreams when he was in prison and now in front of Pharaoh. And Joseph always honoured and acknowledged God as the one who gives the interpretation. When Pharaoh asked Joseph, can you interpret my dream? Joseph's response was, no, I cannot do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. 
Joseph's desire was always to honour God. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream and is appointed to a place of prominence, second only to Pharaoh in all of Egypt. And Joseph is instrumental in saving not only Egypt from a severe famine, but his, all, his family also. Jacob, Joseph's father, eventually dies. And Joseph's brothers become worried, but now Joseph, the second most powerful person in all of Egypt, will reap his revenge for the years of slavery and imprisonment. But Joseph said to his brothers, Do not be afraid. Am I not in the place of God? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph could have been an angry and bitter and resentful man, being thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, imprisonment. He didn't diminish the evil that his brothers had done. You meant it for evil, but he recognised that God was in control and ordering his steps, and instead of revenge, he extended forgiveness. Joseph was transformed by trouble, and that transformation built resilience into his life. He chose to be a person of integrity and not sin against God, he chose to trust God even in the place of uncertainty and disappointment and he embraced change and forgiveness rather than anger, bitterness and resentment because he realised that God planned it for good. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning we... Thank you for Joseph's life. We thank you, Lord, for his resilience, his integrity and his trust. And we pray, Lord, this morning that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit so that in these uncertain times we might grow in faith, that we might grow in integrity and trust. Lord, that we might grow more like you. We pray this morning for those who are feeling anxious, fearful and overwhelmed. And we ask, dear Lord, that you would fill them with your peace, that peace that passeth all human understanding. And Lord, will you take us this week and use us to honour and glorify your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. God bless you and have a wonderful week.